Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Jesus redefines family, spiritual family. It's not those who know the will of God, but those who do the will of God. He owns them as his mother, his brother, his sister. So God has been speaking to us about obedience and he will continue to do so because his purpose is not that we should study obedience or know what obedience is, but that we should be obedient. Because only in that way is his will outworked in our lives. Now, life is full of choices. And if we're going to really understand how to be an obedient people, then we have to understand not only the obedience of love, of which we've already spoken, as Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. But we also have to understand how faith is to operate in our lives. Because Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 that his commission as an apostle is to lead people to the obedience of faith. Now, faith and obedience and love all share something in common. They are all the result of making right choices. We're talking about the love of God, not emotional love, the the natural love that we're familiar with. Uh, But as you know, the love of God is the love that gives, it's the love that serves, it's the love that, that actually wants the highest good in the objects of that love. Faith, love, obedience are all the result of making the right choices. Think of faith for a moment. Sometimes people say to me, I can't believe. Well, that is, of course, a lie. Everybody believes every moment of the day. Uh, you are sitting on a chair. When you sat down, that was an act of faith. You believed that the chair would support you. You didn't expect the chair to collapse. So you were actually expressing faith at a natural level. So there are a given number of things that we experience in the natural that we almost take for granted because of what we have experienced in the past. You sit on that chair with confidence because you've sat on that chair many times before or a similar chair with confidence that it would not collapse. So in such situations like that, you're not making a conscious decision. You're not actually saying, I believe this chair will support my weight, so I will sit upon it. But that is, in fact, what you believe. 
So faith is operating at a natural level in the lives of everybody living on planet Earth. Certain things are taken as a given and you put your trust and confidence in those things. When it comes to reading God's word, faith is not difficult. You read a statement made by Jesus or one of the apostles in their epistles and you've immediately got a choice. Do I accept this or do I reject it? Now, if you accept it, you still have not acted in faith. You've simply said, I believe that statement is true. Now, take this, uh, the, these verses that I've just read from Matthew 12. This is written in your Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew, reporting words that Jesus said. Now, as evangelical believers, you accept the authority of the word of God. You believe that this is accurate. You believe that this is something Jesus said. So you believe that this is true. It is a statement of truth. Jesus actually said, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, why should God, or why should Jesus, make this statement? Because it's true. So what effect does he anticipate that this will have in those who are listening? Well, he's talking about the nature of disciples. Who is his disciple? Who is really in fellowship uh, with him? Who is his mother, his brother, his sister? It's all about relationship. Then he makes it clear, well, the one who is in relationship with me is the one who does the will of my father. Now, remember that Jesus obeyed the will of his father perfectly. So he's saying, well, those who belong to me as family, those who have that relationship with me, are those who, like me, obey the will of my Father. So, okay, now we believe it's a true statement. We understand what he means by it. But even knowing it and understanding it does not actually make any significant difference to our lives whatsoever. Unless we put that word into operation. So I only really have faith in this word if I therefore say to myself, I desire to be one of those who belong to the family of Jesus. I want to be his brother. And the only way in which that is possible is by doing the will of his father. Therefore, I make the decision to do the will of his father. So now I have made a decision. 
I haven't just believed it, I haven't just heard it, I've made a decision. However, having made the decision still hasn't done anything. I then have to outwork that decision. So that means that in my life, I am going to be confronted with a whole series of situations every day of my life where I will have the option to do the will of the Father or to do something else, which is therefore not the will of the Father. To put it simply, I've got the choice of doing his will or not. So, if I am really one who has faith in this saying of Jesus, I will not only agree with it and say it's the truth, I will not only believe that Jesus said it, I will not only understand what he means by it, I will decide to put it into operation and therefore will make a whole series of right choices which will actually be the outworking of his will. Those choices will be to do what he says. Whenever I hear his voice, either in his word or by his spirit. And as Jesus obeyed the will of the Father consistently, I will therefore make the decision to obey the voice of God, the will of God through his word and spirit consistently. That my faithfulness will be like the faithfulness of Jesus who faithfully always obeyed the will of his Father. So if I, if I process this revelation of Scripture, I've therefore come to the conclusion my faith will operate in the word of God every day so that I will do it. Not just make the decision to do it, I will put the word of God into operation in my life. Now that's the obedience of faith. And without faith, we cannot please God. So without that obedience of faith, we cannot please God. And what, what Jesus is saying here is you really are related to me as mother, as brother, as sister, if you do the will of God. Not if you know it, not if you understand it, but if you do it. So, faith is always making the right trust. Now, we, we haven't explored that fully yet. We've got to come back to it. Love is the same. Whatever situation that you are confronted with, you make a decision. Am I going to express love in this situation now? You may know that it's right to be loving. You may even say, I want to express the love of God in my life. You may even make a decision. I am going to express the love of God in my life. But you still haven't accomplished anything until you actually do that love. Until you express that love 
in action. So this is the obedience of love that Jesus is talking about. Very similar, you see, to faith. Both operate by the same principles. Just as faith is always making right decisions, so love is always making the right decision. Now often, you see, when it comes to love, that is going to require some degree of cost, some degree of sacrifice on our part, in order to express love for God by being faithful and obedient to his word or expressing love for others rather than being selfish, which is expressing love for self. So in that way, I'm going to have to obey, believe the other word of God, of Jesus, that if I'm going to follow him, I will have to deny myself. So I will have to deny myself to express that love, his love, for others through my life. So I recognize this business of loving God is not a matter of lifting my arms to him and saying, Jesus, I love you. It's a matter of walking in love, of making the right decisions all day long, throughout every day, to love in every situation that God places me to express that love. Obedience operates on the same principles as faith and love. What is obedience? Obedience is making the right decision in response to what God says, to a command of God, to any word of God. Disobedience is making the wrong decision. Just like unbelief is making the wrong decision. Or selfishness is making the wrong decision. Wrong decisions always have negative effects upon the person who makes the wrong decision, but also it spreads negativity around that person because others are going to suffer as a consequence of his wrong decision. Making the right decision blesses the one who makes the right decision. He is blessed by God because he is walking in love, in faith, in obedience. Now, we understand then the process by which faith operates, by which love operates, by which obedience operates. All operating on the the same principles. What determines our ability to operate on those principles? Well, it's the nature of the heart. If my heart is truly submitted to God, then I will believe what he says. I will not simply agree with it. I will not simply make a decision to obey it. I will actually put that word into operation. The same with love. I will actually do love not just know I should love. See, knowing I should obey or I should love is law, whereas God has enabled me to actually put his will into operation because his Holy Spirit lives within me. So we can see, therefore, it all depends upon the nature of my heart. Do I have a believing heart? Do I have a loving heart? Do I have an obedient heart? 
Because if my heart is right, then I'm going to make the right decisions of faith. I'm going to make the right decisions of love. I'm therefore going to make the right decisions of obedience. If my heart is not right towards God, then I am often going to make wrong decisions. If there's any compromise in my heart towards God, then sometimes I will make right decisions, sometimes I will make wrong decisions. Now, you students have made an act of full surrender of yourselves to the Lord at the beginning of term. Now, of course, you're having to live in the outworking of that. Let's understand the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, you could say that God gave his word to his people. Often they did not believe it. They did not believe all the promises he gave about entering the promised land. So they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness because of their unbelief. So although they had the will of God and God commanding them to obey that word, they did not do it because their hearts were not right towards God. And if their hearts were not right towards God, their hearts were not right towards Moses and and others who led them because the one is influenced by the other. They knew that the summary of the law that God had given is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the summary of the law. But they didn't do it. They did not love God with all their hearts, mind, soul, or strength. They often drifted right away from the Lord into disobedience and and even rebellion against him and against his authority and therefore against those that God had raised up in leadership over them. In other words, although they knew what the law was and the Pharisees taught the law and even children were taught to recite the law by heart, they still did not do it. And Jesus, of course, came into that environment where for generations the Jewish people had known the will of God but had not done it. So Jesus makes this very clear statement. Okay, if you are to be part of my family, if you are to be in relationship with me, that will be because you do the will of the Father. Not because you know it, not because you have access to it in a book, not because you study it or write essays about it, but because you do it. So in the provision that God made in the new covenant, things had to be different. And so he promises that he will give those who belong to this new covenant, a new heart. Not like the hearts that people had in the natural, the hearts that were constantly unfaithful to God 
disobedient to God, even rebelling against the authority of God, but I will give people a new heart. And he promises, I will put a new spirit within them. Because it was clear that dependence upon the natural abilities that the Israelites had was insufficient for them to actually be able to do the will of God consistently. That even when they set their hearts upon doing that, which at times they did, they still failed uh, in the event. So God says, I will give them a new heart and I will put a new spirit within them. But then he says, and I will write their laws on their hearts and on their minds. I will write my law on their hearts. So with these new hearts, you have a new heart on which is written the will of God. That the will of God is no longer in a book. It's also in the new heart that God has given you. He has written it on that new heart. He has actually even written it on the mind because in the spirit you have the mind of Christ. You know you have your natural mind, but you also have the mind of Christ. So God has made provision for you to do the will of God by giving you a new heart upon which his word or his law is written, by giving you a new mind, the mind of Christ, who was, of course, completely faithful and obedient to the will of his Father. So, in other words, under the new covenant, the whole situation is entirely different. That every one of us sitting in this room have been given that new heart. On that new heart is written the law of God. Every one of us has the mind of Christ, which on that mind, which that mind is devoted uh, to the will of God. And we have a new spirit brought alive by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And the Holy Spirit is the one who declares to us that word that God has written on the heart. He brings to us the word that comes from the mind of Christ, that is the right word at the right time in the right situation. But in addition to that, he is also the power of God that enables the outworking of that word. So we understand that the obedience of faith is only actually possible by dependence upon the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, working in our spirits to enable that obedience. We understand that the obedience of love is only possible by dependence upon the Holy Spirit. We therefore understand that the whole work of obedience 
is because we have the obedient one who lives within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Therefore, faith, that ability to make the right choices, is dependent upon faith in the Christ within. You know, therefore, that to disobey what he desires is to cause conflict and division, the very opposite of the fellowship and the unity that God desires you to have with Jesus Christ. That if you abide in him, if you rest in him, if you remain in him, as Jesus says, you will continue to love him. You will make the right decisions to love. But you see, as we can see, the, the principles are the same. So by remaining in him, abiding in him, you live by faith, you live by love, and you live in obedience. Everything in the outworking of God's will in your life is dependent upon the spirit of Jesus Christ living in you. And because he is always obedient and never disobeys the will of his father, you always have the capacity to obey no matter what it is that God places before you. You can never say, I can't, if your faith is in Jesus. Which is why Jesus says, all things are possible for those who have faith. Now, we know Jesus said nothing is impossible for God, and everybody believes that. But you see, the same Lord, out of the same mouth, came these words that all things are possible for those who have faith. Because if you have faith, if you operate in faith, as I've explained, then you will not only know what to believe, what God is saying, what he desires for you to do in the outworking of his will. You will not only make a decision to do that, you will actually put it into practice. How? By depending upon him to do it in you and through you. So whatever God puts before you, you will be able to do by depending upon him. In other words, he will work it in you. And the will of God can only be fulfilled by faith. Because although we have natural faith, as I explained, God constantly puts before us things that we can only do by putting our faith in him. Now, faith and love and obedience we can see all operate together. They all interrelate. You can't really have one without the other two. Faith and love and obedience operate as one, which is why Paul says the only thing that counts is faith 
working through love. Because only if there's faith working through love will there be obedience. And the only thing that counts in God's eyes is obedience. Why? Because we are called to fruitfulness. And what is fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is obedience to his will, to what he says. Now, often, what God reveals to be his will is totally counter, it's totally against our natural desires. And if we listen to our natural desires, if we listen to the voice of reason, we will often make the wrong choices. And we will even try to justify why we have made the wrong choices. There was a man of God, a pastor, who had a very significant ministry, expensive ministry over many nations. And he called one of his workers, co-workers, to him and said, uh, I want you and your family to go to Russia and to plant a church there. This was just when the Iron Curtain came down and suddenly Eastern Europe was open for people to be able to go in and openly evangelize. The brother said, I don't have any desire to go to Russia. I don't have any heart for Russia. I don't even pray for Russia. There's nothing about me that wants to go to Russia. The pastor said to him, you will go. That is where God is saying you are to go. So he says, well, I'll pray about it. And the pastor says, there's nothing to pray about. God has shown me that you are the one who is to go to Russia. So, you see, here is a classic example of God saying something which is cutting right across every natural inclination that this brother had. Now, being a man of God, he knew how important it was to submit to the pastor and to believe that the pastor obviously had heard something from God. Even when he prayed, he still did not have that same ready witness because he didn't want to hear that that's what God was saying. And this is where our wills can so easily cut across the will of God. But in obedience, he went to Russia, revival broke out, and he ended up being a pastor of thousands. But he had to obey. He had to do it, even though it went against all his inclinations and God doesn't always speak to us through someone else like that sometimes he speaks to us directly but you see the problem the problem about knowing and doing the will of God is that we so easily cloud the will of God with our own wills with what we want there are certain things we want to hear from God and there are certain things we never want to hear from God. 
And there are certain situations where we don't want God to be saying, go there or do this or do that. And we can make a surrender of our wills and say, not my will, but yours be done. We can say that and mean it. We can be, um, you know, we're not, we're not trying to deceive God or anything like that. We are sincere. But even saying those things with sincerity does not do them. Jesus says, my mother, my sister, my brother are those who do the will of God. And Jesus, of course, had in his earthly ministry both his human nature and his divine nature. And he kept his human nature submitted to the divine nature at all times, as I've explained to you in the past. And we see this especially in the conflict that he experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane. So even Jesus experienced this conflict. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. My human will is I don't want this. I don't want to have to experience separation from you on the cross because I take all sin upon myself. You see... Because Jesus had lived in perfect obedience to the will of his Father, he had perfect fellowship with the Father. And the thing that he dreaded most of all was what he had to experience on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to experience the separation from his Father, which is the consequence of sin. If he was to take the sin of mankind upon himself, there was no alternative. He had to go through that experience. So in the natural, he did not want that. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. I I received a, a WhatsApp two or three days ago from a former student which really gave me great joy. She was a really anointed woman and a young woman when when she was here, a student about three or four years ago. And uh, all the the staff here wanted her to come back for a second year. Her parents wanted her to go and fulfill a course, uh, a very sort of elite course, uh, for which she had qualified. And they really believed that this was the right thing for her to do. So she was caught in this conflict. But when she prayed... She believed that God was saying that she was to honor her father and mother, which is obedience to the word, and therefore go and do this course. She went and did this course. She was highly successful. She won some national award as the the best in the country at what she was doing. She came to faith camp 
and asked to speak with me. And uh, when I prayed with her, God gave me a word for her. He said, now it is time to step out in the obedience of faith. When I received this this, uh, text from her on Sunday, I think it was, she told me that she had gone back home, had resigned from her very, very good job that she had because she was so well qualified. And she is now serving with a mission in Africa. And I just rejoiced and praised God. Because, you see, she knew the call of God upon her life. She always had a burden to to go to Africa. She knew that she had to be obedient to her parents. But she knew the time had come. And it was just that, that time together when God could use me just to give this word, now, my child, it's time to step out in the obedience of faith, no matter who says what. And, and she, in, in this text, she just showed how everything had opened up for her to be able to go and fulfill the will of God. See, it is so important for us to do his will. And you, you obviously don't quite share my joy, but I was, I was just so overjoyed that she had done it. It was a big, big thing to do when you have... You know, when you're in the position that she was in, you go and you give up everything and you just step out in the obedience of faith into nothing. I know that because I've done it on a number of occasions in my own life. I know what it costs. But I know how God enables you and gives you the grace to do it. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about flesh and spirit. You see, every one of us, we still have the flesh. We still have that nature that is prone to sin. We still have within us that desire to please self. We still have within us that desire to do what we want. You see, that young woman going uh, back to her nation and, and obeying her mother and father was not what she wanted to do. She was not, she was not opting out of the will of God. She was actually making a sacrifice because, to her understanding, it was delaying what she wanted to do in order to fulfill what she knew to be the call of God on her life. So it wasn't that that she was being self-indulgent. Far from it. If she had her way, she would have come back and done the second year here. So often, our flesh has to be denied Because the flesh will always tempt us to think the will of God for us is what we want for ourselves. Even this is the way I want to serve the Lord. This is where I want to serve the Lord. This is how I want to serve the Lord. People can have all that as their own will. And is not necessarily at all the will of God. He might have an entirely different will. 
entirely different way in which he wants you to serve him. So it's great that we come to the point of making this submission, this surrender of ourselves to him, but the outworking of that is going to be the same for us as it was for Jesus. He could only maintain his fellowship with the Father by being obedient to him. He said this. You will continue in my love if you obey my commands, just as I continue in my Father's love because I obey his commands. Now, if, if obedience was necessary for Jesus to maintain that fellowship with the Father, it's surely the same for us. But the wonderful thing is, it's not our obedience, it's the obedience of Christ within us. It's because God has put the Son of God, the Spirit of the Son of God within us with his law written on our hearts, his empowering and his enabling that we can now do the will of God. But we still have to make the right choices. And you see, the right choice is to do what he says even if we don't want to do it. To go where he sends us, even if we don't want to go. To serve him in the way he asks of us, even if that's not the way we would choose to serve him. To love those that he gives us to love, even if they're not the people that we would want to love, or would feel any natural inclination to love. And this is why, you see, Paul says, the flesh and the spirit are totally at odds. They're totally... at against each other. So what you have to understand is your will, your natural will, is against the will of God. You have within your human nature a will, a desire that is opposed to the will of God. That desire, if you follow it, will always lead you into sin. And sin is never the will of God. The Holy Spirit will never listen the Holy Spirit of God will never lead anybody into disobedience or sin. Ever. Never. He will always lead us into righteousness and therefore obedience to the will of God. So what I need, what you need, is a relationship with the Holy Spirit where we live in dependence upon him. Understanding that like Jesus, my heart attitude has to be not my will, not my will, but yours be done. We can't even compromise And Jesus made it clear that we have to be faithful in little things. Because God can only lead us into the greater things that are his will for us if we can prove faithful in doing what he asks us, what he puts before us day by day. 
In other words, he takes us through a kind of training program whereby in the little things we are learning to exercise this new heart and this new spirit to obey what he wants in the little things, to do what he says in the little things, in the little opportunities we have all through every day to do what he wants rather than what we want. Now, the last thing that we need to understand about all this is that in the heart of God, in wanting us to operate in the same way as Jesus, in the heart of God is no desire to manipulate or use us. That is not his purpose. His purpose is always to love us and to love us with his love which means that he seeks our highest good. So what he knows is our highest good will always be found in obedience to him. Will always be found in doing his will. Now, just consider. Consider what Jesus is saying here. Listen, listen to it again. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Can you think of any higher privilege than Jesus calling you? Brother, his sister, his mother. The highest good for every believer is only to be found in doing the will of the Father. So, even if we have to make certain sacrifices and not do what we perhaps would choose to do with our lives, it will not only be so that the will of God can be fulfilled in our lives, but it will be for our highest good. In other words, whenever you do the will of God, he blesses you. He blesses others through you because doing the will of God is the, is the Holy Spirit, is Christ in you, working through you and pouring out of you like a river of living water. So you will be a blessing to others. But you see, by being a blessing to others, you are yourself blessed. And you're only a blessing to others because of the way in which God is blessing you. So just to give you a partial answer to uh, your forum subject this week, everything depends, therefore, upon depending upon the grace of God. That he will always give you the grace to do his will. Whatever it needs, Whatever supply you need, he will always give you what you need, spiritually, materially, physically, whatever you need to do his will. He will never leave you to your own devices to do his will. 
Now, what happens if we miss his highest good? In other words, what happens if he puts something before us and we say no? Well, if that is ever the case, and it probably is the case with all of us in certain ways at certain times, at that point in our lives, we're going to miss the highest good. For whatever reason, we have made the wrong choice. God, God had in mind our highest good. But if we make the wrong choice, we are choosing what we want rather than what he wants, so we're going to miss the highest good. Now, does that cut us off from God? No, I, I believe it grieves him, because out of his love for us, he wants the highest good for us. And he wants to see that will fulfilled in our lives. But he does not dispense with us. He does not put us on the rubbish tip. We're not cut out of the vine because we made a wrong decision. He will still use us. He will still work through our lives. But we will have missed what could have been our highest good at that point. So we will have lost something that could have been ours if we'd been prepared to be obedient. And I can, I know that at certain times in my life I have made a wrong choice and missed God's highest good at that point. So it's not a question of judging others if you see that this is the case with them. But if you realize that, or when you realize that, of course you repent of that and you come back to that full surrender to him so that he can outwork in your life his will for you which is always for your highest good. This does not make God a killjoy. Just because we want something, he doesn't say, well, you can't have it. You've got to have what I want instead. It's, it, it's not done with that kind of attitude. It's just that, you see, you have natural abilities. I have natural abilities. God may choose to use those for his purposes. He may choose to ignore them. Because his will and purpose can never be fulfilled through natural abilities. You know, I can paint, but he, he doesn't use my artistic ability as part of his purpose for my life. It's useful as a recreation, but boom, boom. At one, one time when I was young, I could aspire to be a professional sportsman, had the opportunity that could have led to that. But that was not the will of God for my life, as he made clear at the time. 
So you say, what seems at the time to be a costly decision turns out to be a joyful one. One of the most difficult decisions I've ever had to make was to leave the church in Luton. Revival was going on. People from all over the nation were coming and meeting with God and getting blessed. Leaders were coming from around the world just to see what God was doing there. I mean, it was, it was just so great what God was doing. And you've heard me say that, that the essence of revival is love, the love for God and the love for one another. This was such a body of loving people. And God was leading me and my family to step right outside of that and actually to go into a place where there was nothing, no support, no love, not not even a fellowship of believers that were remotely like what we have left. I can remember Pastor Clive, he was only a young boy at the time. But the first time he went to the the church where, the local church where, um, where we were then living when we first left Luton, because we were in another place for a couple of years before we came down uh, down to this area. But I can remember the first time he went, he came out, (coughs) came out of the service and he said, why don't these people love Jesus? He could just see the difference from that tremendous sense of love for God and love for one another and what he had just experienced in this other church. There was just no comparison. That was a difficult time, more for my family than for me because I was traveling, I was away so often. But then God in his mercy, you know, he, it was like taking us through a, a, a time of, like a cross time. But then he provided this most magnificent, wonderful country manor, not far from here, where everything was actually laid on for us. I mean, uh, it was just a magnificent place. And we had another revival there, and people came from all over, and so on, and so on, and so on. But we had to step out in the obedience of faith into nothing. And uh, it was very interesting that <coughs> my wife and I were <coughs> ministering in another church. Where, um, at least Caroline was with me. I was ministering just a few weeks ago. And there was a couple there, a very precious couple, anointed couple that God is using in, in a great way. And They'd never met Caroline, and they they said to me, we'd like to meet your wife. And so uh, I introduced them, and then they said to Caroline, not to me, they said to Caroline, would you pray for us? Caroline sort of looked at me, because usually people say to me, you know, will you pray? Caroline would join in. And so I said, yes, go on, you pray. And, And as she prayed... 
God really was ministering to this couple, the, the, the wife in particular. Because, you see, they were going to be in a similar situation to what we had experienced. They were going through this, this period of nothingness almost, but knowing that something expansive was about to break open in their lives. And Caroline was able to say what she had learned during those two years where we were seemingly without any kind of, of support in the way that we'd known in Luton. And she was saying that what she learned at that time was how to depend upon God and God alone because there was nobody else to depend upon. Nobody else even to support. And you see, this is, this is where if God ever is going to call you to be a pioneer or to, to actually establish some work of, of the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, he is going to have to teach you to depend entirely upon him. And even during your time here, you see, we don't want you to be led all the time in worship. We don't want you to be led all the time in what you're doing. We want you to develop your own personal dependence upon the Lord. So wherever you go after this uh, after your time here at, at Rofi, wherever you go, you have that quality relationship with him where you depend utterly upon him. Your dependence is not upon others. Yes, you are encouraged by the fellowship and support of others, but your dependence is upon him. And therefore, you are one who makes the right choices about faith, about love, about obedience that you learn while you're here, that your highest good is to do the will of God. And not, not to say to God, well, I give you a year of my life. There's no use giving him a year of your life. The rest of your life belongs to him. The rest of your life is to do the will of God. Because he wants your highest good and he knows that your highest good is in doing that will and seeing the outwill. Some of you would have come here with plans and ambitions and desires. Will God use you in those ways? Perhaps. Perhaps not. Perhaps it is his will for you to do this, 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 and this, which you had intended to do. Say, well, I want to go to Rafi, and I want to go to Bible college, and then I'm going to do this, this. That may be right. It may not be. What you can't do is tell God, that's right. That's what I'm going to do. No, no, no. It's for him to tell you what you're going to do. Amen? And by his mercy and his grace, he will bring you through to the fulfillment of his will and purpose. 
Can you understand? So, what does the scripture say? I delight to do your will, O God. I delight to do your will. I can remember when when I left Luton, that, that really was such a difficult decision to make. Well, it wasn't a decision to make. I mean, I, I knew I had to make it. There was, no, there was no difficulty in making the decision. It was facing the cost of that decision. That was the difficult thing. But I can remember God said to me, as soon as I'd left, he said, now, you don't look back. You don't hold on to what you've had uh, in Luton. Don't even try to hold on to the relationships because my ministry, uh, my, my intention for your ministry is for you to have a much more expansive influence. Therefore, you cannot hold on to what has been. That has been a rich time in your life that has prepared you for what I want now. And that taught me, you see, you can never hold on. Even, even when there's something that's really good, you can't hold on to that. It's the same lesson that, that Jesus was teaching Peter when he took Peter, James, and John up the Mount of Transfiguration. And, you know, this was so wonderful. Uh, Peter was saying, look, shall we, shall we, can we, can we uh, uh, erect three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah? We want to stay here. We want to keep this. This is good. This is the greatest thing we've ever known. Jesus says, no, nothing doing. You've got to come down the mountain and you've got to fulfill the will of God. And, and see, that's the point. Uh, so many people have said to me, why? Why end faith camp? Faith camp has been such a blessing over so many years to our families and so on and so on and so on. And I know I can understand there's such a desire to hold on to anything that is good. But when God says, let it go, you let it go. Why? Because the next part of his will cannot be unfolded unless you let go of what you have now. And that's the point. So often, Christians don't let go of something good they have simply because it's good. But remember that saying, the good is the enemy of the best. And God always wants us to be more and more fruitful. So the pruning that he brings into the branches of the vine is, is not just the pruning away of sin. It's, uh, you know, after a branch has been fruitful in a vine, it's pruned. Otherwise, there won't be another season of fruitfulness. So even when you're fruitful, even when things are good, even when everything is going so well, God can say, right, that's that. Now you leave that because if you don't, I can't take you into the next thing. And this, you see, these are the big decisions where you step out in the obedience of faith. You say, okay. Okay, it doesn't matter what the implications, right, Lord? You are Lord. This is what you want. This is what I'll do. If I hadn't stepped out in the obedience of faith when I left Luton, kingdom faith wouldn't exist. And all that God has done since would not have been able to happen. 
There has to be that obedience of faith. There has to be the making of the right choices. And the right choice is always to do what he says. Let's all stand. Come into the middle. Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now listen, beloved. You are here doing the will of God. It's the will of God for you to be here. So it's as if Jesus is pointing to you and saying, as he pointed to his first disciples, whoever does the will of my Father is, not will be, but is, my brother, my sister, my mother. So he's pointing to you now, in this place of obedience where you are now, and he's saying, you are my brother, my sister, my mother. Now what's the import of that? These are relationships that are always to persist. So he's not saying, you're my brother, my sister, my mother, for a year or two years or while you're here on the team. My desire for your highest good is that you will always be my brother, my sister, my mother. So let's just lift our hearts to the Lord in thanksgiving. Thank him that he's given you a new life. He's given you a new heart. He's given you a new spirit. He's written his law upon your heart. He's given you the mind of Christ. And the law of God is written upon that mind. Hallelujah. You may have come here kicking and screaming, but you came. You may have come here more willingly, but you came. 
you're here, you're in the will of God at this moment. Now, why don't you pray for him to give you the grace to continue in the will of God? To continue to make right decisions? Decisions of faith, the right choices of faith, of love, of obedience. Why don't you ask him to give you the grace to do that in the little things so that then he can put you in charge of greater things because he knows that you will be faithful and trustworthy because you have proved that in the little things. So why don't you pray, Lord, even in the little things and the things that you put before me day by day, let my whole heart attitude be not my will, but yours be done. And Lord, if at any time, in order to do your will, I have to deny myself, thank you that you will give me the grace to do that. That I will make the right choice to please you rather than to please myself, to bless others, and in blessing them, I will myself be blessed. To give, and then you will give back to me, good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now don't listen to the devil. The devil will want you to think you are a disobedient failure. Now you, 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 you just right in the face of the devil, you can say, I'm not a disobedient failure. I'm an obedient child of God. I'm a brother of Jesus. I'm a sister of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm dedicated to doing his will. I'm devoted to him and I'm dedicated to doing his will. Hallelujah. Not to knowing his will, but to doing it. To doing the will of God in my life. Can I hear some prayer going on here? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Papa Papa Rasandaria Leto Papa Pagala Zita di Sun. Paparia Leto Papa Parasandaria Leto Papa Kara Zita. Come on, Jesus. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pura taparia leto papapara sandaria leto. Oh, papapara sandaria leto. Now thank him that his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Even when you feel so weak in the face of what he asks you to do. Now, that, that won't be the case for most of you at this moment. But even, even if what God asks of you seems to be too big or too costly, God always gives you the grace. His grace is sufficient for you. Amen. There was someone some years ago, young woman, who absolutely longed to get married. And, and, you know, she was a nice, lovely young woman, but absolutely nothing, no relationships developed. And it became almost an obsession with her for God to supply her with a husband. And God took her to a place where she finally said, Lord, I give to you the desire for a husband. I realize this has become too big a part of my desires. It's what I desire. I just give it over to you. Within a year, she was married. You see, that's so often the case while we try to get what we want for ourselves, nothing happens. But when we give all over to God and even surrender our desires to God, he can open up the way for the fulfillment of those desires. You see, love doesn't take. Love receives what is given. So we don't have to try to snatch from God what he will only give by his grace. But we receive it by his grace. So if you're holding on to some real great desire of what you want God to do in your life, doesn't mean that that isn't right, it may be right, it may not be, as I said earlier. But give the desire over to him. Don't think you've got to make it happen. Whatever is placed in his hands, he will cause to happen. And he will cause it to happen in the right way, in the best way, for the fulfilling of his best purposes. So this is a choice, see. You can hold on to something... Or you can let it go. You can let it go. You can let it go. Into his hands. Knowing that if it's his will for you, he'll not only give it back to you, but he'll enable it. In ways that would be far beyond anything that you could accomplish for yourself. 
And so you can say to the Lord this morning, not my will, but yours, Lord. Yours be done. Yours be done. Why don't you tell him that you trust him? You see, the obedience of faith, the obedience of love, that obedience that we've been talking about, ultimately always comes down to trust. You know, there's an old hymn, old revival hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Such profound words in a simple hymn. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. So why don't you say, Lord, I trust you for the outworking of your will in my life. Thank you for the obedience of Jesus Christ that bought my salvation. And thank you for the obedience of Christ being within me by your Holy Spirit at this moment. That the obedient one lives in me. And thank you, Lord, that as I live in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, so I will live at one with you in that obedience. Faith working through love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you never fail those who put your trust, their trust in you, Lord. You never fail those who put their trust in you. So we bless you, we praise you, we exalt you, we glorify you. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Papara sandaria, leto papara sandaria, leto papara sandaria. Basta galaria, leto papara sandaria, leto papara sandaria. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Oh, ratapari, leto papara sandaria, leto papara sandaria. Basta galaria, leto papara sandaria, leto papara sandaria. Basta galaria, leto papara sandaria, leto papara sandaria. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. 
Praise you, Lord. Thank him that you're going to prosper. You're going to prosper as you do the will of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You never lead us into disobedience. You always lead us into obedience. And in that obedience, we will prosper as your children. And we bless you. We praise your wonderful name. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, let's just listen once more as we finish. Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Hallelujah. And Jesus also said that if we do the will of God, we will be his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So we bless you, Lord. We praise you. For all your grace, all your power, all your enabling. That we will be encouraged to make the right choices of faith. The right choices of love. The right choices to obey. For the glory, the honor and the praise of your holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.